Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day you have provided for us. Increase in us your wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Through the spirits of wisdom and revelation, in the knowledge of Jesus this morning, that we might be completed in all those things that you have purposed for us. That even as we are being changed from glory to glory, Lord, that we will receive the mantle of what it is that you are giving us. And we will have a realization of the truth, and the truth will set us free. This morning, bless all your people, that they may receive from heaven that which you have purposed for them to eat this morning. And may it remain upon good soil as good fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned and self-realized that they were naked, the human body has been groaning for its spiritual body. It's a situation that I don't think is very enjoyable because of what we go through in life because of that sin, that self-realization that we are naked. Our consciences are affected and we are in some way reduced in the quality of life that we can enjoy because we are not enjoying a perfect life that Adam and Eve had before they sinned. And when they lost it, a self-realization came upon them that they were naked. And then they began to seek what was once available to them. And the situation applies to us today as much as it did, it did to them. So I would like you to come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at our proof text this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 1 through to 10. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened not for that we would be unclothed, that is to say die, but clothed upon that mortality may be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought for us the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest or the deposit of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and, will, and willingly rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that we, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in His body, 
according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. A groaning, and a groaning with the purpose of unburdening our souls. Unburdening what comes upon us as a result of a sin nature that is active upon the earth. The devil seeks always to burden us and puts a veil of deception by what he does so that we won't know sometimes that we're even carrying a burden. The unburdening of our souls is the key to spiritual advancement in the faith and to gain a better life. I'll say that again. The unburdening of our souls is the key to spiritual advancement in the faith and to gain a better natural life. So when you are in great desperation and you go before the Lord and you pour out your heart before Him, there is an unburdening of your soul before God. Now if you receive the exchange of the cross at that time, you will walk away from that place having left your burden with Jesus and go back into the world unburdened, without that burden on your back or on your head or on your heart. And that will result in a better natural life because then you can order your thoughts and you can go back and face your circumstances in life without the burden of something that had held you up to that time. So if you are, for example, in some way burdened by some relationship that you were involved in from the past, if you cut your soul ties to that relationship by confessing that in prayer before God, then that does not become a burden anymore for you. And you can move on. Okay? You can move on. And you can find a new way in God. Because that burden is not anymore upon you. But if you allow the devil to speak to you and condemn you because of that, then your life is not going to be good upon the earth. Though you are a Christian, there are two types of burdens that we need to deal with. One is the natural burden and the other is the spiritual burden. And these two should not be mixed. Okay? The, the, the devil always tries to confuse us with them so that we become ineffective in both areas. The natural and the spiritual. We need to excel in both areas, in the natural and in the spiritual. Amen? And, and we need to do that freely with the freedom of Christ in us. Without having to be dictated to by a dictator called the devil. So when we are coming to unburdening ourselves, what we are actually doing according to these verses are that we are going to put on more of the heavenly nature. This is the perfecting of the soul. This is the perfecting of the person. 
So we're not going to go back to that which once burdened us. We relieve ourselves of those things and we take the next step of faith into the freedom of Christ and thereby we receive something of Christ which we did not have before because the burden stopped it. Right? What we're actually wanting is more of Christ. Our soul is crying for more of Christ, but we cannot get more of Christ because we're carrying more burdens from the world into Christ, and Christ does not accept the burdens of the world. He's not taking the burdens of the world upon himself now. He has already done it and destroyed it on the cross. So when you now go to him as a Christian and say, I'm coming to you with my burdens, he said, please leave it outside the door. It's already been dealt with. Come into the freedom. Amen. But no, what we want to do, no, no, no. I've got to bring my burden into the freedom. I want to bring it and, you know, I want to smear your face with it and burden you with it. He says, it's been dealt with. It's no longer my burden and it's no longer your burden. Hello, are you listening to me this morning? Yeah. Are any of you carrying burdens this morning? I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Don't kid yourself. You may be trying desperately to deal with it, but you can't get rid of it. Because it's sitting on your back. Somebody had a dream about a whole heap of things, an epic dream. Uh, God was showing him what happens to Christians when they get burdened one way or another for example somebody offends them and unfor unforgiveness or bitterness or something he says a demon comes and sits on the Christian's back and then urinates on the Christian and God was showing how this becomes a burden upon the Christian and the Christian is bowed down in the spirit right? and walking around with this demon on the back. Now you might think, ah, oh, this is all fantasy, Nobu. What are you talking about? I'm free of all these things. No, you're not. Because every time you indulge in a burden, okay, a demon is there to put that on you as quickly as possible and keep it there. And I have seen so many people with demons on their backs we've had to deal with it and once we got rid of the demon we got rid of the problem okay so don't fight it demonology is a part of our lives it's very much a part of our lives and who are you fighting with anyway are you fighting with yourself or are you fighting with the devil or are you fighting with god so don't keep yourself okay you are fighting with the devil we are in a spiritual warfare that is what we are doing when we go to try and help somebody, whether they be a Christian or a non-Christian, that we are dealing with demonic forces that are after the souls. And the soul itself is so burdened by what the demonic forces are doing and what we are doing to ourselves that we cannot receive the freedom in Christ. We are always living, most of us are always living on the periphery of the borders of Christ's garments rather than on the inside of his heart. So because we are walking so close to the light and darkness periphery that we cannot go deeper into the light and be away from darkness altogether. 
And that is the unburdening of the soul. That the more you unburden the past, the more you unburden what even today is happening to you. Right? You walk up, you get offended in the church this morning because you walked in with a joy and somebody said something and you get offended. You walk out with that burden. But before you walk out of this door, you should have got rid of the burden. Otherwise the burden goes home with you. Okay, the burden goes on with you. It sits there with you and talks to you and tells you how you should keep burdening yourself over that incident. Yeah, you're a good Christian. You come to church, you pay your tithes, you worship the Lord, you love the Lord and all that sort of stuff. But you just received a burden. And the next thing you know, again, pastor gets a phone call. I need to talk to you. I've got a burden. Are we here for that? That's what we're here for. To help you unburden yourself. But not just to keep putting another burden on, but to remove that burden once and for all. And for, for, for someone who's in the ministry to do that, they have to get to the root of the problem. But the problem is we find them because we don't want them to find out the root. So we keep giving them the branches and the fruit on the branches. That's not unburdening your soul. You cannot go to God and tell Him a lie. He knows everything about you because you are naked before Him. Oh, Adam and Eve got some fig leaves or whatever leaves they got. They hit themselves and said, you know, and then God said, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Self-realization. Out of touching something they should not have touched. We must take off our natural cloak. Okay, we must get rid of this natural cloak that we carry around with us. And we should put on Christ. Come to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Again, the previous verse talks about let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does it mean to put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ? Some people may think it's an armor, right? Yes, part of it is, but there's more to it than just armor. You're putting on the person of Christ onto yourself and you need to find out how that happens. So let's go to Isaiah 61. And we look at verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. It's talking about the soul. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. 
12, garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. I'm still to meet a bride today who doesn't get ready for her wedding. And boy, does she take her own sweet time about getting ready for the wedding, so much so she can be late for the wedding. And the groom is impatient, walking up and down the aisle saying, where is she, where is she, where is she? That's what Jesus is doing. Walking up and down in heaven and saying, when is she going to get ready? He's impatient. When are we going to get ready? We're not because we are overburdened with all the things in the natural rather than putting on the ornaments of the spiritual which is what God is looking for us to do. But we keep offering him the natural instead of the spiritual. And he's looking for righteousness. He's looking for the fruit of salvation. He's looking for holiness. He's looking for righteousness. He's looking for a bride that prepares itself in every spot, every wrinkle, every area of her dress, of her looks, about the way she presents herself to the bridegroom. Now mind you, she's not only presenting herself to the bridegroom, she's presenting herself to the audience, to the congregation, to the people who have been invited to the supper. <laughs> I say, God, you mean to say you have guests for the wedding? I said, yes, sir. All who went before Christ are up in heaven and they are saying, come on, bride, get yourself ready. The choice is ours because the foolish virgins didn't get ready. They were designated to be the bride. But they were not ready. And so the bridegroom said, no, you're not allowed to be my bride. God is searching, going to and fro the whole world, looking for those who will become his bride. And it is through the unburdening of your soul, my body is crying out for redemption. It's getting, it's, you know, it's mortal, it's dying every day. And it's trying for redemption. When will I put on this glorious cloak, this supernatural spiritual body that you have prepared for me? When will I put it on, Lord? Not that I want to die and rush off to heaven. No, it is a yearning within my soul. And God keeps saying, listen, son, you still have got stuff that you've got in your spirit that you have not got rid of. Get rid of it. And the devil is constantly looking to bring it all back. 
So I start delving into the gospel because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. My salvation, you know, and so the continued outworking of my salvation is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I say, okay, what is the gospel saying? It is the good news. So I'm looking for good news. I'm looking for things that will say to me that I am okay. And I don't have to worry about what the natural says to me, whether it be in the family, or whether it be in the job, whether it be in the atmosphere, whether it be the devil, whatever, I don't have to worry about. Because now I am no more under condemnation. So now I let go of that which affects me through the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's also the power of God to wash me clean. Amen? To wash me clean because of what it says. And because it covers the whole area of the blessings of Abraham, it, it lifts off the burdens of me having to worry about blessings of Abraham. And it's not my ability to make money that causes money to come to me. No. It's not my ability to make money. God's in Deuteronomy 8.15 says, I am the God that teaches you how to make wealth. So why are we struggling? Why are we struggling? About money, about health, about anything else. Because the gospel of the salvation of Christ is with us. It's here on written in the pages. And the spirit of God is living in us. That's what that passage says. That he has given us the earnest of his holy inheritance. The Holy Spirit. A deposit, just a deposit. That means there's a glorious inheritance waiting for us in heaven. That's what we are groaning for. That's why you are struggling through your Christian faith. Because you're trying to perfect yourself. And you're saying, let me get there so that I can walk in righteousness. In the beauty of holiness. And the devil is buffeting us with all sorts of things to put on burdens. He's constantly doing it to attack us and to burden us some way or another. In our relationships, in our lack, in our lack of understanding, in our ignorance. You know, Jesus always will be the burden bearer as long as there's an earth of this lifetime. He will always carry the burden. But because he has already dealt with it, he says, cast your burdens upon me. Romans 8.18 says, the burdens or the sufferings of this life cannot be compared to the glory that awaits us. Now it's not talking about natural burdens. It's talking about spiritual burdens. 
There's a difference between natural burden and spiritual burden. You might think that you are suffering something spiritually because of a natural burden and that's not true. The devil will confuse you about that. And that's how he puts con condemnation on you. If you're struggling with something in the natural, okay, it probably has nothing to do with the spiritual. It's got to do with the natural. But we attribute the spiritual to it. We say, oh no, it's the devil. And then we're cursing it and we're praying against it and then using tongues and all the weapons of our warfare against it. But it's got nothing to do with the spiritual at all. It's got to do with the natural. We must know the difference between when the Holy Spirit is putting a burden upon us that comes from God for a reason that we can carry it. And we can only carry it for a little while. We can't carry it for a long time. That's why I said to the Lord often, if you're going to give me a vision, Lord, a new one, then enlarge my capacity to receive that vision because I know that if I receive it without that enlargement, I will blow up. Do you know how many pastors have committed suicide? Do you know how many pastors have failed? Do you know how many men of God and women of God have fallen because they have taken on a vision of God that is not, they are not able to carry because they have not asked God the ability to carry it. The Lord never burdens you with something that He wants you to fall from. He always gives you just enough. He knows our frailty. He knows our weakness. But what we do in the spiritual is we try to take on something that does not belong to us. It's not in our arena of ministry. It is beyond our capacity. It is not in our authority. It is not in our position. And we try to take it on. A finger cannot be an eye. An eye cannot be the mouth. Don't try to take on somebody else's ministry. You'll blow up. First of all, accept what God has given you. Amen? When I come to talking to you and training you, I don't try to train each one the same way as the next one. They're different. What's the point of trying to take one person's anointing and put it on another person when that person doesn't have the capacity to receive that anointing? I'm not a worshiper. I'm not going to go and take a guitar and start worshiping. I'm not a musical, musically talented person to worship the Lord. I can worship the Lord just without music. You're not called to sing on the stage. Don't sing on the stage. Because the devil's going to whack you. You can say rah, 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 whatever you want. We've seen enough action going on in this pulpit of the worship stage. And some of you are privy to it. To know what goes on over here. No, don't, don't try to take on a burden, a spiritual burden that does not belong to you. 
Give it to Jesus. If someone comes to you and says, I need you to carry this burden, you say, no, I give it to Jesus. But what this particular passage is talking about is saying that even though you go through spiritual burdens, legitimate spiritual burdens on this earth, be convinced, okay? Be convinced, be persuaded that it is not meant for you to suffer in the sense that you will not receive something that is greater for the suffering you go through. That you will not be depleted by the suffering, rather you will be enriched by the suffering. God, God you mean to say, I get better by suffering more? Perhaps, in your case, you have to. You're blessed in Australia. That you don't have to suffer what India is suffering. Yeah. Or Pakistan or any other country. Right now, they've hit over a million in India, coronavirus. They've crossed that mark in America and 75,000 in a day. They're being depleted because the burdens are being piled on. And there are earthquakes and there are uh, uh, wars and there are floods and all sorts of things. The central coast of the, the, the coast is being eaten up by the sea. The houses are falling into the sea right now. Million dollars of work, houses are falling into the sea. Oh, huge burdens now. How am I going to pay my mortgage? There goes my beautiful house. And you know, the burden comes on. And then you go, wow, wow. And you keep going lower and lower because now your natural uh, benefit or your natural asset is being eaten up by the devil because you did not give your life to the Lord. Well, George and uh, Cheryl had a problem with their house. The whole house started bursting with water everywhere, every time. You know, fix one, another one goes, fix one, another one goes. Spiritual warfare. One of you were burdened, we go into spiritual warfare. So that we unburden that member. That's the way to carry the burden. That's the way to carry the burden. Don't do it on your own. Because he'll eat you up, the devil will. Daily life's burdens, okay, daily life's burdens I'm talking about is as a result of original sin, the fallen nature. Yes, you and I can do nothing about except give our lives to Christ. Okay, till God fixes up the whole thing, you and I are in Christ. Let's get that straight. We need to be. We need to be, to be away from this fallen nature. Okay, the moment you come out of Christ, before, go back into the fallen nature. The fallen nature carries within curses and problems and death and sin and all sorts of rubbish. So you cannot come out of Christ. You've got to go deeper into Christ. Further burdens come because of our sin. Because of our sin. And because of the attacks of the enemy. And because of legalism and not understanding the word of God, 
or his ways. Let's go to Acts chapter 15, 28. Now here's a council of men just after things have been, uh, you know, moving by the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And some people start want to put burdens on the disciples and other people. So they sat down and had a council meeting and they came up with this and says in verse 28, For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. That you abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which if you keep yourselves, you shall do well. <coughs> so the council of elders after the day of Pentecost come to a conclusion with the Holy Ghost that they will not put any more burdens other than what they spoke about regarding idol worship and eating food from idols and fornication and strangled blood. No more than that. But yet, if you look into the Old Testament, you'll find that the Pharisees and uh, Sadducees had created enough burdens in the thousands to put on the people so that they could suppress them. So they keep them scared and afraid. So they never could come into the freedom of the faith. You see, churches around the world, quite a lot of them, they do that to their congregation. But if you are a true, sincere child of God, you will know how to be planted in the house of God. How to root yourself in the house of God. Till God says otherwise. Because, you know, you are taking on, whilst you are here, you are taking on burdens that actually the house is not putting upon you. You are putting it upon yourself because you are stuck and you can't move. So you, you try to create something. And when you do that, the devil is just waiting at your doorstep to get you. We've seen it time and time again around the world. But people have not been able to receive their ministry, receive their calling in life. And every single one of you have got a ministry. But you don't know how to be satisfied. So you take on burdens that don't belong to you. One. Two is, as a result, the natural in your life gets affected and more burdens come on you and then you don't know what to do with that. For example, you go and invest in something and then, you know, you lose your job. <laughs> Boy, guess what happens to you? No, you do invest in the Holy Spirit. You have to invest in the Word of God. You have to invest in the Kingdom of God. You fight a battle after it has started, it's pointless. Fight it before it starts, so that you can defeat it before it even begins. Yeah. That is prophetic. That is having the prophetic in you. 
that is receiving the word of God. We must not take on new natural burdens and we should let it go. Don't try to carry somebody else's burden. Okay, you've got a husband who doesn't like you. For heaven's sake, don't carry the burden. You've got somebody in your house who doesn't like you. Don't carry the burden. It is because they are carrying a burden that they are trying to place it upon you. You're the closest person available so that they can place it upon you. Exactly. Because they are not able to carry their own burden, so they want to place it upon you. And they are looking for a victim. If they can't get somebody in their own house, they will go looking for somebody else. They'll pick up the phone, ring up and say, you know, oh, 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 oh. I don't want your burden, right? And I'm not going to cast my pearls before swine either. Because it's wasted. Don't carry other people's burdens like that. Because they're just looking for you. They're looking for you. Yesterday we met a girl, a woman, not a girl, a woman. All her teeth gone, she's drunk, she's out there, you know. She can't move. She's just bound by the devil. We just loved on her, bought her a cup of coffee, gave her the message of the gospel, told her what to do, and we left it at that. Yes. And we left it at that. I cannot carry her burden. And they would say, oh, you can do more. You can do more. You know, you should do this, and you should do that. Take her and go. No, you shut up, devil. You don't talk to me. I know what to do. I'm not God. I have learned through years of making mistakes. Years and years of making mistakes. That when I carry someone else's burdens like that, I usually get whacked. By the very person that I'm trying to help. But what does it, where does it leave me? Do I just say, well, I don't care about their burden? No, I take the burden and I give it to Jesus. I give it to Jesus and I go to sleep at night and I sleep well. I cannot solve the world's problems. I cannot bring revival by my efforts. I cannot make this church full by my efforts. And I'm not interested in making this church full by my efforts. If it comes full, it comes full. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it comes down, it comes down. As long as I'm walking in the Spirit. But others might come along and tell me all sorts of other things. Not interested. I'm interested in what the Holy Ghost tells me. And I, I vet that. I verify that. And verify it by the word of God. And then I know how to carry the word. Then I know how to plead with God. How to intercede with God. Then I know what to say to God. Otherwise, forget it. I'm finished. We shall surely be destroyed slowly. 
if we take other people's burdens or life's burdens and cares of the world or the offense of the world. This grip of life is upon us because of the fallen nature. Okay? It's not you necessarily. You are trying hard. You are trying to walk in the perfection of Christ. Right? But don't kill yourself over it for heaven's sake. You cannot make yourself perfect. You just can't. You have to allow the perfecting through the Holy Spirit and through the ministry God has given to the church to take place. And what is the ministry He has given to the church? The fivefold ministry of the apostles, teachers, pastors, leaders, all kinds of people are given to the church for the perfecting of the saints. We neglect them and we go, oh, I got God, I don't need that, that. I don't need my pastor, I don't need my apostle, I don't need my prophet. I'll just go to God. And God says, no, you don't come to me, man, you go to them. But we don't want to go to them because they say something that we don't mind. Then you can't get perfected. Because neither does the Lord listen to you, nor the one who is trying to help you. See, many suffer from the burden of bad habits. They, they say, oh, it's just a little thing. No, they suffer the burden of bad habits. Fornication, alcohol, drugs, poverty, poor judgment, difficulties in relationships, and other daily occurrences that come with decisions. Just making a decision, a simple decision, can get you into trouble. Right? Having the wrong friends can get you into trouble. Talking to the wrong people can get you into trouble. Having a bad habit can get you into trouble. Just, just the nature of the fallen nature. And what are we doing as Christians is we are opening doors to that fallen nature by the things we allow. So someone is trying to get into my space you know, by, by, by evil thoughts or evil actions or temptations or whatever, I just say no. I shut the door to them. And their attack may be severe, it may be heavy. I just say no. I don't condemn myself. I don't let myself be condemned. I just say no. And then you don't receive it. So you don't get the burden. See, I cannot be accountable for what the government decides, can I? No, I can't. But they place a burden on me by their decisions. By their daily decisions, they place a burden on me. If they increase taxes, they are increasing my burden of tax. If they shut down the borders, they are increasing my burden of not being able to move about freely. Whatever they decide can affect us, and it is affecting us. Whatever you decide can affect me. But if I allow it, only if I allow it,
I'm not going to allow anybody to dictate to me how I should live my life because Christ has already given me the answer. Because Christ is also already my answer. Now if I cannot leave the country and go into the realms of what I believe is ministry and being able to do ministry, guess what? Where are you going to go? Huh? Where are you going to go? You have to start looking how to get to heaven. Amen. How to get into the realm of the spirit. There there is no law of the government. There's only spiritual warfare. There's only the devil trying to stop you. You see, that's why he's putting natural burdens on you. So that your eyes will always be on the ground. You will never look up and see your redemption coming from the hills. In India we used to walk on the roads before. Always looking down because cows and animals used to dump the road. So if you don't look where you're walking, you'll definitely put your foot in the dump. <laughs> so when I went to Bahrain, years later, I never looked up and for a long time I never looked up. Then one day I looked up and I saw the clouds, I saw the sky, I saw the sun and I said, I haven't seen this before. But I was 25 years old. Why? Because the devil had me looking down, not looking up. That's what depression does. It always has you looking down. He said, no, there's no redemption. There's no hope for a person who's depressed. What a lie the devil. A burden of sickness. How do you get out of it? You know, a burden of sickness. You have prayed, but the sickness has not left. How do you get out of the burden of something that has not left you? Somebody asked me that question recently. How do you manage when something comes upon your body and you're doing ministry and you cannot equate it to the gospel where Jesus says by his stripes we are healed. And you know what we're doing? We're whipping ourselves with this verse saying by his stripes we are healed so why am I not healed? 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 Instead of pressing into Christ and saying whether I am healed or I am not healed, whether I live or I die, I shall serve the Lord. Amen. The devil is scared about such kind of people. Because he knows that through thick or thin, hell or high water, you are going to go through. Because you know how to shed your burden. Christ then is the answer we seek in life, in anything and everything. And he takes care of his own, like I said last Sunday. I am daily seeking how to separate myself from the burdens that come upon me in the natural and in the spiritual. That is, does not belong to me. Okay? That does not belong to me. Yesterday one tried to come. Said, hello, I'm here. I said, so what? Get lost in Jesus. 
Where do I get the authority to say that? By the word of God, what God said. By that authority I have, which dwells within me. It lasted about maybe a minute to two minutes. Go. Never to return. But had I entertained that, had I entertained that, and said, oh, now you're here, you might as well sit down on the lounge and have a cup of coffee with me. Now let's talk it over and see if we can decide on the best course of action. Well, the best course of action is the blood of Jesus. And throw, throw it into the pit of hell. Amen? You know, I was uh, getting ready to go to India after getting saved five years after I was getting, I'd got saved, I'd never been back to India. And I was a bit concerned about my friend, who I was very close with, who was still in the world. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, I'm a bit concerned about meeting this guy. I had a dream. And in the dream, me and this guy had gone into a restaurant, had a meal, come out, and the car that we got into was parked on the wrong side of the road facing the wrong side of the road and we both got in and I was driving and the car went in reverse and I was looking, driving the car in reverse and I woke up and I said, Lord, what is this? He said, if you go and regain your relationship with that man, you will backslide. I knew exactly what to do now. That guy was closer than my skin. He was so close to friend. I walked into his house, sat down. He offered me a drink. I said no. He offered me cigarettes. I said no. And I told him what had become of me. And he said, yeah, no. And uh, then he said, you know, I said, you know, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And he blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And I said, Mike, that's it. I'm out of here. I just came to pay my respects see around, you will never see me again. That's what I said to him as I closed the door. I said, you will never see me again. Meaning to say, we will have no relationship anymore. That man died recently, in a few years ago, in a hotel room all by himself. When God took Israel out of Egypt, he said, you will never see them again. Why are you trying to go back to your past? In your mind. Because of your experiences. Because of the things that you once had a comfort relationship with. The Jews were bondaged and burdened by the tasks of their taskmaster in Egypt and they still wanted to go back. Here God was offering them freedom, taking them into a promised land where they wouldn't have to work, they wouldn't have to do anything, everything was set up, everything was ready and God is saying to you this morning to someone over here that I have prepared a supper table in the presence of your enemies. What's the problem? 
Backsliding is more than getting involved in natural sin and spiritual sin. Okay? It has to do with the inability to receive the freedom of Christ and thereby keeping yourselves burdened in the natural and the spiritual. As soon as a burden comes on, you just take it and you throw it to the ground, stamp it on, stamp on it and say, that's it, you're dead, man. You're out of here. Somebody gets a bill, oh, I've got a bill, a bill. Nah. I got a bill, $440 for my water bill. I said, what? I just rang them up and said, you've just made a meter reading mistake. I don't want to be you know, embraced by that burden. I don't want to get angry and upset with them because they made a mistake. And then, you know, I lose my pool and they lose their pool and then something else happens. No, just go. What is the solution? Go find the solution, practical or supernatural. Use it and break it down. And deal with the situation so it never bothers you again. And the Jews didn't get it, so they rebelled against God. In the, in the offering of what God was giving them, they rebelled against God. You know, and Hebrews 4 2 says that the reason they never got what they, were, they needed is because they didn't know how to mix the gospel that was preached to them with faith. They were mixing the natural and the spiritual, but they were not mixing the faith with the gospel. The spiritual with the spiritual. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. Natural man cannot receive it. But what we are trying to do is receive what is in the spirit into the natural man. It will never work. It will blow you up. You cannot carry it in the natural. It has to carry you. It has to carry you. If God comes to you and says, I am your provider, that's the end of it. Don't even argue about it. Don't even say, where will my money come from? How will it happen? You know, don't even think about it. That's all it means. That's what it means. Of course the devil will attack it and you worry and you'll do this and you'll do that. But pretty soon you'll find out the miraculous way in God, in which way God provides. I have seen cash, okay, I'm talking cash. Walk into my, my room to, in the night to read my Bible after ministry and thousand dollars cash. Twenty thousand dollar checks. Without asking anybody, comes in the mail. Two thousand dollars in fifty dollar bills in a small envelope to the wrong address comes to me. It's money, you know, not my name, but comes with with uh, with, with two thousand dollars in cash. Now the postman, you know, if he had, if it had split the envelope, he could have seen the money, he could have whacked it. But God protected it. Two thousand dollars cash. I didn't ask anybody, just comes. Why? Because God said He was my provider. So He knows when I need that money. Right? So if I'm going to say, oh, I need the money, I need the money, I need the money. No, I just say once, Lord, I need the money in the story. You have not because you ask not, but you ask so much that you ask for your lust rather than for the use of God's kingdom. You see, we've got to understand something. 
that when we come to Christ, we get saved. Are you in agreement with me? Yes. Well, when you confess your sin, repent, genuinely, you get saved. Guess what doesn't get saved? Anyone know? What doesn't get saved? Your burdens. You're still the same person in the natural with the burdens. So God took out uh, drugs from me the moment I went through baptism waters and gave my life to Jesus. That's why I gave my life to Jesus. But he did not take away the alcohol and the cigarettes. And he did not take away my heart and the condition of my heart that had so many flaws and faults in it. So I had to let go. Now people who get married for the second time, the third time, and the fourth time, what they do is they carry all the burdens from the previous marriages into the new marriage. Instead of coming pure and clean into the next marriage, they carry all those burdens from all those relationships and they destroy the next marriage. So Christ doesn't want that. So he says, now son, I've saved you. Now unburden yourself through the gospel that I preached to you by the Holy Spirit conviction, by the methods that I use to cut out the evil that is in you. Take it out and get rid of it. Don't keep taking it back. You know why pastors fall? You know why leaders fall, why men of God fall? Because they haven't dealt with that issue of that burden that they were carrying before, that habit, that sin, or whatever it was. Jimmy Swaggett was a mighty man of God. He used the pulpit for holiness, preached it for young stars, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands getting saved. Mighty, mighty man of God, you know. He was a powerful man of God. Then one day he started pointing the finger at Jimmy Baker and saying, this guy is an adulterous person, you know, blah, 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 about him. And two weeks later he was exposed as a guy who was going to the prosecutes and had been going for ages. He had never got rid of his fornication, the burden he was carrying from his youth, he had never got rid of it. He got saved, but he had never got rid of it. Don't carry your sin with you, okay? God knows about it, but you're not willing to let it go. Could be anything, anger, could be jealousy, could be envy, could be pride. Could be, you know, the hurts you received before from your husband or your wife. All of those things have to go. If you are to go forward, they have to go. Otherwise, you're going to lead a miserable life upon this earth. And you're always going to be fighting the devil. And you're always going to be fighting your fellow man. Because you are seeking what is not of God. And God will not intervene in your situation. I guarantee you, God will not intervene in your situation. When I asked him to get rid of the cigarettes, he said, I already have. You've got to get it go. Get, get rid of it yourself. So what do you mean? How do I do that? I'm addicted to it. How do I get rid of it? He said, no, you're not addicted to it. You only think you're addicted to it. When I worked it out, I was able to get rid of it. He did not take it away. 
I have to give it up. So give up your anger, give up your hatred of your husband or your wife, give up your hatred of all those things that are going on in your life, the envy and the jealousy and the offense, all the things that you don't like, okay, because you have personalized it. And you have created to be a burden not only upon yourself, but upon the next person who's next to you. You know what God is talking to us in the last days about? The prophets have been saying this. How good you have been to your family. <clears throat> well, get up to heaven and say, oh, I said 10,000, 15,000, I did this, I had a word of knowledge, blah, blah, happened, this happened, that happened. How good were you to your family and to your fellow men? Did you love them? Did you care for them? Did you show the, the image and the nature of Christ to them? So we are constantly bombarded by the convictions of the Holy Spirit. It took years of unburdening myself from these things because it put, became a question of my salvation. God asked myself, am I saved when I carry these burdens? Am I saved when I carry these burdens? Constantly repeating itself in my head. Christ saved you, but He did not save your burdens in the sense that He took it, but you haven't let it go. You're wanting Him to take it. He took it on the cross. It's done. It's a done deal. It's over with. So why are we taking it off? It's a new burden. Well, I told you what to do it. Do with it. Throw it to the ground, stamp on it. It's a new burden has been dealt with as well. The greatest unburdening of the faith is knowing God has forgiven us and does not condemn us. So I'm going to leave you with six things that you can do to unburden yourself. The first thing is laugh and walk with the joy of the Lord and in the knowledge of His existence. Laugh! Okay? Can I leave you to laugh this morning? You know, I sit down with my grandson and we laugh. We just look at each other and go, hee hee. It's silly, right? And we go, hee And he goes, ha ha! And I go, hee hee! And then, you know, I'm making it up, but we're laughing and soon it comes out of the very bottom of our bellies. Right? Why? Because we are enjoying each other. And God loves us. You know, you sit down with God and laugh with Him. Over your enemies. God laughs over His enemies. See, you silly fool, you don't know who I am. Right? Laugh with God. And in the joy of the Lord in His existence. Second one, cast your burdens onto the Lord. Cast your burdens onto them. Everything, past, present and future, put it on him. Be anxious about nothing and pray. Third one. Be anxious about nothing and pray. Fourth one. 
Praise and give thanks unto the Lord always. Amen. <laughs> That's so powerful, I'm telling you. It is beyond imagination what that does. The devils run all over the place. They cannot handle it. They just can't handle it. See, when you're praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, you know, you, what you're saying is, I am accepted in the beloved. You're, it's not out of condemnation you're praising and thanking God. You're praising and thanking Him out of a genuine knowledge and understanding of what He has done for you, past, present and future. Amen? And when you give thanks for that which is prophetic, it comes to pass. Fifth one, receive the word of God. What does that mean? Receive the word of God. Here's a good one for you. Romans 8.28. What does it say? All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His promises. So if you have a tragedy in your life, somebody just died, you can claim that word. You say, how, how can it be that somebody died and you're claiming it's good because the word says And when you begin to understand what the word says, you're receiving the word and the meaning of the word and the power of the word and suddenly it becomes a reality to you and your joy is not taken away by death but rather rejoicing comes into you because you're able to handle it. Your capacity to handle death has just increased by receiving that word. Yes, we will feel sorry. We will have a few tears and all of those things. Perfectly legitimate. But I'm not going to live all my life over the loss of my father or my mother or my sister. All of them died. I'm not going to live in that. I love them. So stop living in that. Of some regret of something didn't go well in your life or something didn't happen. He said, all things work together. Even the bad things, God can turn it around for your benefit. He can turn it around. Well, I know because He did it for me. He turned my life around. So when my life was turned around, I said, wow, you mean to say that even that you can take and make good? He said, yes. And here's a clue for you. Oh, did I finish the last one? Last one was, crucify the flesh. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Crucify the flesh. Because the flesh always wants to burden you. In the natural and in the spiritual. Crucify it. You know, the devil comes in the night, fear. I'm feared. I want to eat you. Get lost in Jesus' name. Get lost in Jesus' name. Get lost in Jesus' name. Stop. Resist him. He will flee from you. You'll come in one way and you'll run out seven ways. 
Here's the final clue. If anything, anything gets too much for you, whether spiritual or natural, cry out unto the Lord. He said, Lord, I'm coming in because I can't handle this. Even with all my knowledge, even with all my experience, even with all my love for you and your love for me, I've come to a place where I cannot take this anymore. I caught a cold that would not leave me and I sneezed every second. And I was doing that all day long. Can you imagine that? All day long, every second, I'm sneezing. One sneeze after another sneeze. And I'm driving my car. I pull up in the petrol station, I put petrol in, sneezing the whole time. Got back into the car, I hardly made 10 feet, and I just cried out unto the Lord. And I said, Lord, I can't take this anymore. And like feet, several feet running away, my entire back was released and the sneezing stopped instantly. It's not the healing. It's not the healing that I want you to get. It's the principle. It's the principle. You cannot do it in your own strength. There will come a time in your life that if you do not get down on your knees and if you do not ask the Lord for deliverance, you will die. Or that situation will get worse. Because you think you can do it and that's your pride. It will kill you. Definitely kill you. But you get down on your knees and you stop your warfare and stop everything and just bow down and say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. But it will take time for you to get down to that spot. Because your natural mind and physical body will resist that. But the fastest way to get down on your knees is to submit and yield yourself unto God. And say, it's no longer I that live but Christ that liveth in me. Make a decision today to make Jesus the answer and give it all to Him. And He will set you free. Amen? He will set you free. I was watching Apostle John Chi yesterday, uh, repeat. And I said, wow, what is this guy, what does he know that I know? And you know, there were patients sitting there, about at least 50 of them. I haven't walked in 20 years with all manners of belts and things holding them. Can't even get a hip replacement. Another tumor, another with sleep apnea. Cannot remove that machine mask from her face because if she does, she'll die. She can only breathe through that. And countless numbers of them in all manners of sicknesses and diseases at death's door. And he just simply walks up and he says, Your healing is for your salvation. Do you accept that? He said, Yes, 
Then they said, Man of God, heal me. And he said, I cannot heal anybody. Jesus heals. And then he simply puts his hand on them and he says, In the mighty name of Jesus, touches different parts of their body and says, Okay, now get up and walk. And they are perfectly and totally and completely healed. It doesn't matter whether they are old, whether they are young. He has the same compassion for all of them. My friends, you are healed. Body, soul and spirit. You are healed. Okay? Don't take on the burdens. Rest together. Whoever it is, whoever it may be that is affecting you, let it go. I, I feel to pray for people this morning. And if you have a situation, you don't have to share it with me. But you know God can set you free this morning. That you will never have to carry this burden again. Never. And you walk in freedom. I have never carried the burden of alcoholism again. From the moment I got delivered, that was it. Never looked back, never needed it, never wanted it. Same thing in the spiritual, in the mind. Just recently, in the last few months, I have been under severe attack in my mind. I'm telling you, I can't even share it with you. It was such a filthy, dirty attack of the devil. Months and months and months. And I said to myself, no, but how long are you going to entertain this? I said, I'm not. I'm not entertaining this. But what's going on? Wouldn't stop. I said, what? You know what the situation is. Let's go. You cannot save yourself. Okay? Even with all your knowledge and understanding, you cannot save yourself. You gotta allow yourself to be saved. That's what the whole decision is about. It's not my prayer that's going to save you. It's your decision that's going to save you. It's your faith. My faith prays and says, yes, you can be delivered. So come. Let's have some music if we can, just very soft.